following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. It's uh, my pleasure to welcome Pastor Torrance Jones with us this morning. Uh, he will be speaking a continuation on Journeying with John. And uh, he uh, joins us from Amazing Grace Church. Uh, he has a wonderful ministry as a music leader as well as in prison ministry. So um, it is with gratitude that we welcome him today. If you would join me in welcoming Pastor Torrance Jones. Amen. God bless you all. It's just a blessing to be here and to worship with you at Artisan Church, with the Artisan Church family. You know, it was such an honor to get the call from uh, your pastor, Pastor Scott, Pastor Austin. Um, I was honored and I accepted it immediately. So uh, I just want to say thank you. I'm excited to be here. I think I might actually walk around with the mic. I might put it back. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, thank you so much. And Journeying with John. I mean, when I think about the Gospel of John, it's, it's different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's sort of like a, a high-level overview type of Gospel, um, and it's beautiful. We get all the way to this point of the foot washing, and like I said, I'm just excited to, uh, to be here. You know, John, he has a, a, quite a different perspective. Um, I just got back from Israel, from Jerusalem, and this is my first Sunday back. Um, and let me just say, just as a practical example, um, I bought a new pair of shoes <laughs> before I went to Israel. And when I came back, not even when I came back, while I was there, the shoes looked like they were about 10 years old. I mean, the terrain, the, the, the crown, it's, it's, it's rough. <laughs> Depending on certain places that you go, we went to the desert a lot of places and, um, it just shows a real practical example of just the foot washing, the necessity of it. We have shoes now, uh, you know, shoes, they cover our whole foot. Just imagine like a first century shoe. It's quite different. So, you know, just as a practical example. But let's journey with John. If you do have your Bibles with you, that's perfectly fine. If not, that's okay as well. iPhone, iPad, whatever have you, whatever you read the scripture with. It might actually appear behind me on the screen. So actually, there it goes, John 13, 1 through 7. Um, and the title of the sermon that I would like to speak on today is, uh, Do You Know What I Have Done For You? Do you know what I have done for you? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, good morning. We just thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your grace. We thank you so much, Heavenly Father, for just being with us, for never leaving our side, even when we don't know where you are, oh God, you know where we are. Father, we thank you so much just for uh, fellowship today. Thank you for the praise and worship. Uh, thank you, oh God, for hearing our prayers um, and hearkening to our voice, and hearkening to our hearts. Father, I ask that you would just speak to every last one of us through, uh, through the message, through some part of the service today. Really speak to us and have us take away something so that we might be able to really implement it uh, within our lives and, and walk differently when we leave from service today. Father, 
I love you and I thank you and I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and read John 13, verses 1 through 17. 1 through 17. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you, will, you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you, for he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Amen, amen. You know, and just really reading this, you know, there's really a lot of things that can really be drawn from this. Uh, this story is it's one of the, Precious memories that John is reminiscing about. He writes it down, and in fact, it's it's quite different in the sense that it's the only account that we have of the foot washing. Matthew, Mark, Luke doesn't mention it, but John does. This is one of his precious memories. And in really just thinking about this, there's three things that really spoke to my heart about this passage. Three things that really spoke to my heart. And the first one was hospitality. You know, foot washing was really, it was truly an act of hospitality. I mean, it really was. It was truly an act of hospitality, but, it, but not in the normal sense. In this case, he gets up from supper, gets up from the table and washes their feet, rather than when they first go in into the house. It's, it's a different type of memory that Jesus is really trying to um, imply here is it's, it's very different, you know, and, and when I think about just hospitality, you know, as this first bullet point, 
I really think that Jesus is hospitable and God, God is, he's just a hospitable God. He really is. He displays hospitality to us. You know, when I, when I think about the creation account and everything that took place, God created this entire earth. On the sixth day, it says that he created humanity, right? So, and it says on the seventh day that he rested. And I know that there's different philosophies and thoughts about whether it was seven days really or six days really or whether a day represents a thousand years or whatnot. I'm not really getting into the nitty-gritty of that, but, you know, if it's exactly what it says in the Bible, which I believe it is, that it's in six days, that means, and if Jesus and if God actually rests on the seventh day, then that means our very first day on the earth was spent resting. Talk about hospitality. This whole entire earth was created. God created it for you and I. The very first day we get here, we just observe. Adam and he just observing. You know, before there was any problem in the earth, there was the answer. Before there was any trial, before there was any situation, there was a solution. Before there was anything, there was God. Before there was anything, before we could even come to him with a request, he was there. He has given this entire world into us and given us so much more. When I think about hospitality, He's the first example when I think about that. You know, that, that's the first bullet point, hospitality. He does that, and, you know, going back to John, he remembers this. You know, out of all the things, he said, you know what? No, I, I remember Jesus washing our feet. The second bullet point is omniscience. All-knowing. Jesus is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. And you know what, John, he really... He really makes it a point to bring this out. Five times, in fact, within these 17 verses, he, he highlights and hints towards Jesus knowing. You know, verse 1, it says, Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world. He knew. Verse 3, it even goes on to say, Jesus knowing that the Father had given him all these things to his hands. It it highlights the knowing. Verse 11, it also goes on to say that, for he knew who was to betray him. Three times Jesus knew, two times as a challenge. We see verse 12, it says, after he had washed their feet, he had put on his outer robe, or his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know, do you know what I've done to you? Verse 17, it goes on, you know, to close it. If if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I mean, John, he really, he really highlights the fact that Jesus knew. He really, he really makes it a, a intention. He knew. I mean, Jesus, he knew that all 24 feet would walk away 
when he's crucified, except for John. John is the only one there. Mary, his mother, Mary Magdalene. He knew that. He knew that Peter would betray him. Excuse me, not betray him. He knew that Peter would deny him three times. He knew that. I mean, he knew that we would mess up. He knew that we would mess up before we did. And I love, you know, I really love the, the portion of the service where we uh, let our prayer requests be known because it's so precious to me to know that before we even prayed, he knew our prayers. He knew it. He, he's always listening. He knew that. That's such a blessing in my heart. It's, it's, it's a certain type of confirmation just knowing that God, you know my prayers before I even pray them. You know everything about me. You know everything about me. You know how I'm designed. You know my mind. You know my heart. You know what's going on in, in other places of the world. You know, one thing that's very true is that sin does not discriminate. It doesn't. You know, it, it'll, it'll reach from the poorest corners of Jordan all the way to the depths of New York City. The streets of New York, Rochester, the city school district, the enemy is busy. And you know what? God knows and God hears our prayers and he knows everything within your heart. That's just a blessing to me to really understand that God, he truly knows. John highlights that here. He knows. And this last portion you know, that really just blessed my heart and was probably actually maybe even the highlight of the entire, uh, the entire account here is really servitude. Let's face it, um, Jesus, he goes and he serves. He washes their feet. That's, it's, it's something very unique about this. Something very unique about this. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not in the normal sense that he's washing, but, but in rather a shattering sense, a sense that is opposite of, I guess, the, the quote-unquote status quo. It's very different here when Jesus washes their feet. You know, in, in, in the Greek language, the, 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 the style of wipe here in verse 5, you know, it, it, it uniquely parallels prior chapter 12 when Mary anoints, when Mary anoints and, and wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. You know, it, it has a unique parallel to that. There's a unique combination between what's going on and the anointing. You know, and that can, that's a whole nother series, just the anointing. I mean, how God has anointed us and uh, blessed us to go into the depths of the world to bless, to minister, to serve. You know, that, that's, that's a whole nother topic, but there's a unique connection between that, a unique connection. You know, he actually, he takes off, as the scripture says here, you know, his, his, his outer robe and uh, tied a towel around himself. And in this sense, the only thing he has on now is his loincloth. Uh, he likens himself as a slave. He likens himself as a slave. This is what they would wear. 
and what would happen when you first come into Wyoming. This is not something that, that, you know, the highest person of status would do. And it really speaks that Jesus will do the things that we don't even want to do for ourselves. He'll take that. He'll do it for us. He likens himself as a slave. And you know what? I'll probably even say that there's one of the, the biggest highlights about this servitude that, that blesses my heart and challenges me, you know, just even in a, a moment of, of transparency, and, and, and I believe it even challenges all of us. You know, it's easy to, to serve the ones who are easy to look at, easy to give a hug to. If you have a nice personality, it, it's easy to say hello it's easy to do that, you know. It's it's very easy in our society to shake someone's hand that that's polite, but you know, one thing that that really sticks out to me is Judas was there. Judas was there. And he washed everyone's feet. He washed Judas's feet. The one who he knew would betray him. You know, that, that it, it brings about a different ring when we have to serve our enemies. You know, thinking about now serving the ones who might not necessarily deserve it. You know, is, is, it, is it easy to to really be hospitable to the one who just laid us off or, you know, the one who just talked about us behind our back, the one who you thought would be with you, the one who actually journeyed with you throughout this life, one of your closest companions, you know. It's not easy. It's not easy to do that. It's not easy to do that. And, you know, Paula, um, Paula D'R.C., she has a, a unique outlook on, um, on Psalms 23. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Now, when I first read that, and for the longest, for the longest part of my life, I've always interpreted that as, you know, God is going to provide for me. And I'm going to be well fed and well taken care of. And all of my enemies get to, yeah, this is, they get to see me. This is what happens when you serve God. It, and, and it's okay. That, that, that's a good interpretation, I guess. I had it for the longest. But she has a unique interpretation that, that says that preparing a table in the presence of our enemies means something deeper. It actually means that God prepares the table, it's our, it's our decision whether or not we want to sit at the table. But both us and our enemies, we have a common denominator, and that common denominator is we both need God to survive. Our enemies are at the side, opposite side of that table. It says something unique about forgiveness. You know, one thing for sure 
is if you don't like someone and, you know, they're, they're a believer, they're a child of God, <laughs> you know, they're a child of God and, and, you know, they claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you know, whatever the case might be, if, if you have any kind of um, animosity or any kind of, uh, of uh, ill favor or anything against them, one thing is both of you need God to survive. You really do. He's serving his enemies. You know, just, I'll give a prime example, and I've seen this, um, and, and I was fascinated. <laughs> I'll give a prime example. Let's all do an exercise. Try and hold your breath, I don't know, two minutes. On the count of three, one, two, three. <gasps> so I'll tell a story while you're holding your breath. When I was five, I don't know, I'm just about to say something. I'm just talking, just to fast time by. Matthew was my best friend. We used to walk down the street together, hold hands, talk about what we would do when we grow up. Obviously, you're not having that conversation at five, so <laughs> you know that I'm just talking. Some of you have probably stopped holding your breath by now. <laughs> Keep going if you can. <laughs> Probably about 50% of you. And the others who have not stopped holding your breath, you will join us shortly. <laughs> please, please believe that. But you, you, you know what that is? We all need air. We all need it to survive. Every knee shall bow, as the scripture says. And every tongue will confess. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. No matter who we are, no matter what we look like, we all need God to survive. We all need him. Jesus knew, he knew, he knew within his heart, it says that he knew who would betray him and and. You know, that's so painful to think about, but it's just fascinating to me that Jesus recognized he needs me, even though he still needs me. And I will, I will serve. What it, see, what I do is not dependent upon how someone treats me. And that's a powerful message. What I do is not dependent upon what someone does to me. But who I am is what I do for them. That's true service. I don't care what anybody else might say about me. It's not about what you have done to me, but it's about what God has done for me. It's about what God has done to me. He asked the question, do you know what I have done to you? That's at the core. That's at the core. Do you know what I have done to you. Do you know? Do you really know? You know, and, and, and you know, John is, he's, he's recollecting this, this story as he gives to us to take forever. And, and with this, I often think about just, uh, just my father and, you know, just a story that, that 
that um, that he left me. You know, my father, he passed away when I was 13 years old. Um, and at the time that this story took place, it was, uh, it was at our church, and he was pastoring. And one thing that I really, I, I didn't understand then. I, I had to be, at the time that it happened, I had to be about 11, 11 or 12 but we was at the church, and one of our services, we washed, it was all of the men together, and we washed each other's feet. And it was just a precious memory that I have of my father. I didn't really understand fully. I mean, I'm 11. I didn't really understand fully exactly what that meant, except for it was in the Bible, so we should do it. So it was, it was one of those type of things, but I, I, he washed my feet. He's the pastor, and I was the youngest in the room. It was all the men, um, and I, I was a young man, not, not an older man. But, I, you know, I remember that story with me and my father and the men at the church. And now I, I, I grab onto that, and I realize that it was much deeper. John, is he's remembering his time with Jesus, and he's saying, you know what? I remember this. You know, it's, it's not within... Matthew, Mark, or, or Luke's, but I remember this, and this is something that displays servitude. Hospitality, he's all-knowing, omniscience, and servitude. This is pretty much Jesus' last week, the Last Supper in Jerusalem. They've traveled this entire distance. They, from the start, from Jesus' calling his disciples, all the way until this moment, they come to this moment. It's, it's, it's one of the last moments that they will ever get to see Jesus. They don't really know that. Jesus knows that his hours come. He knows that as it shows us in the, in the opening part there. He knows that, but they don't know. They're just traveling, and, and, and their faith in, in Jesus had brought them to this moment, to this point of the Last Supper. It brought them to this point. And as we're thinking about that, you know, we have journeyed through this life, you know, whatever the case might be. We've journeyed through this life in our marriages. We've journeyed through this life in school, whatever part that we might be in. We've journeyed through this life with our job. You know, we've journeyed all this time. We've gotten here. Our faith has, it has kept us. It has continuously brought us here. And then all of a sudden, when we're to this place after he serves, he asks the question, you know, in times where we get tired, in times where we don't know what else to do, in times where even where we're just, just having fun, in those moments, he asks them, do you know what I have done to you? Do you know what Jesus has done for you? Really think about that. When we know, once we know what Jesus has done for us, then we know what we should do for others. That's when we know. When we really think about this, we know 
we know what should we do for others. Things that are transpiring in our lives right now, they shouldn't necessarily scare us. They should challenge us. They should challenge us. What do we do? What do we do for the world? What do we do for our families? What do we do for those closest to us? What do we do for those who can't stand our guts, for our enemies? What do we do for the entire world? There's many times we get tired of the journey. We get tired. And what do you do when you get tired? What do you do when you don't have anything else to do, when you don't know where to go? You don't, know, you don't have any more answers. You have questions. You don't know what else to do, where else to go. What do you do? You serve. You keep giving. And sometimes service might not come in the, the exact definition of bringing somebody a plate. Sometimes service might be love. You serve them in love. You serve them in a compliment. You, you, if you don't have love, how do, you, how do you fulfill your heart? How does God fulfill your heart? He shows you. You serve. You keep giving love. You keep giving. You keep giving. Jesus gave. And what he said at the end, he told them, if you do these things, you are blessed. You are blessed if you do them. Matthew, as I close, Matthew, he remembers Jesus saying that the greatest among you will be your servants. Those are the words of Christ. Not, not the greatest among you, not, 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 not the, 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 the greatest among you, they will X, Y, or Z. The greatest among you will A, B, C. And, and the greatest among you will be the servants. What does servitude look like? In 2016, what does that look like now? Three times it talks about he knew. Twice Jesus challenges, do you know? And if you do these things, you are blessed. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I just I thank you this morning for your love. I thank you for the example that you have set. You've given us an example. I thank you, oh God, for being strong enough, being strong enough to endure the pain, being strong enough to endure the lashes, being strong enough to endure people talking about you, spitting on you, just being strong enough to, to, to endure it all even to the point where you served Judas. Thank you for the example that you have set. Thank you for showing us in times of weakness, that's when we are made strong, through you. Thank you for showing that to us. Father, in your precious name, I ask that you speak to every last one of us today. You give us something that we're able to take home 
to take immediately and apply it to our lives today, tonight, tomorrow, this month, next month. I thank you for this example that our brother John has recorded that you have left. I thank you. Be with us. Hear our voice as we follow you and your example. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Torch Jones. Would you uh, join me? On- Thank you, Kim. We're going to transition now into the time in our service uh, in which we take part in the sacrament of communion. And so I'm going to, as, as the band comes up, um, we'll uh, get this started in just a second. Um, I just wanted to reiterate something that Pastor Torrance said. Uh, th- this table, this is the table of the Lord. This is the table of Jesus. And uh, he has invited everyone. This is a table that's open um, to all. And, you know, we, there's all sorts of labels that we try to impose on people to create an us versus them. And uh, the life, the death, the resurrection, the message of Jesus uh, tears down those walls. So this is a table that's for all those of you who are seeking to follow Jesus in this place. Um, and it's also a way for us to engage in an act of rem- remembrance of uh, the life and death of Jesus. And here, Artisan we uh, engage in the practice of intinction, where you come in, you can take a piece of bread representing the flesh and dip it in either the wine or the juice, whatever is appropriate for you and your family. So uh, come as you feel called. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.